Look at Talk starts now. Welcome one, welcome all to another edition of the Look at Talk podcast. I'm your man V Jones. Welcome to season three of Look at Talk, ladies and gentlemen. For season three, we got something new. I'm calling it the music round where I talk to any artists out there. Today, I have an artist coming out of Tennessee, my dog, OG Savvy. How you doing, dog? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are things holding up for you during this time of quarantine? Uh, everything's good, man. Uh, I'm surprised I, um, that I'm I'm looking at this well. I'm a person who usually loves being outside and everything like that. So for me to have to be inside for such a long time, I'm actually pretty good. Just, you know, working on uh, ideas every single day. Uh, working on my fitness, you know, going for runs and just enjoying stuff that I couldn't really uh, enjoy before just because I didn't have the time. So uh, everything's good on this side, man. Hey, that's real. I feel you on that. Hey, you, and anything crazy going on in Tennessee? Any crazy laws y'all got enforced because this damn quarantine? Um, not really. I don't think there's anything crazy going on here. Um, I know that they were uh, at one point in time, they were supposed to be sending um, like, I think, uh, I want to say, like, the the National Guard or something was supposed to be roaming, like, the streets around, like, a certain time to make sure people were inside during curfew or whatever. But other than that, I mean, nothing crazy. Uh, Nashville's really just trying to recover from uh, right before this whole uh, pandemic thing happened. We suffered a lot of damage uh, from a tornado and everything like that. So really just trying to recover from that. Um, but other than that, nothing crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I did see that on the news, how Nashville got hit by that tornado. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure y'all still recovering from that. I'm like, wow. Yeah, man. But, uh, you know, the city's strong. Um, uh, before I was living here, they were hit with a flood a couple years back, and uh, they had they recovered uh, pretty well. The people in Nashville love the city. So uh, when the tornado hit within two or three weeks, all the damage and debris was cleaned up, and that's just by the community. Uh, by the time the workers and everybody wanted to come out and, you know, um, pick everything up, there was nothing to clean up because uh, we had kind of picked everything up. So uh, I, I really love Nashville and just how strong the city is. <clears throat> that's real. That's real. So let's talk to you about your music. Um, so what first got you into um, music? Um, well, I've always been, uh, and I don't want to have the cliche answer. I hear a lot of artists say, well, I grew up listening to this or whatever the case is, but, um, I definitely, um, the music that I was listening to was definitely different from my peers. Um, I was listening to like a lot of, uh, the police and Cindy Lauper and, um, Fleetwood Mac and stuff growing up. Uh, I didn't really get into R and B and rap and stuff until I want to say the end of eighth grade. And, uh, then at that point, um, I started to kind of find my own music taste um, and it landed, uh, you know, over in the Odd Future camp and Ty the Creator and stuff like that really stuck with me more than uh, anything else. But, you know, I still love Drake and I still love listening to Kendrick and uh, Mick Jenkins and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of my influence of like the way my sound comes off now or the way that I kind of direct my music is from what I was listening to when I first found hip hop. Um, so... <clears throat> I would say that I got in, I started making beats uh, freshman year just to get a little pocket money because I couldn't work a job. I was too young. Um, and then after that, uh, I realized that, you know, I would be freestyling over the beats that I made with my friends and 
our cars or whatever we would go, whatever. Um, and I realized I could rap, but it was like just for fun. I never thought about doing it on any type of serious level at all until, you know, one of my homies told me, well, why not? Just try it. So then uh, I tried it, and, you know, I put together a project, dropped a couple songs and people liked it. Um, but I still never really took it serious until I moved to Nashville uh, and I uh, attended MTSU my freshman year of college. Um, and just coming to this city and, and even in Murfreesboro, coming to the city and seeing uh, such a such a music scene where people are doing these things um, and they're following their dreams and they're performing on stages and people are knowing their their songs. It kind of put a put a hunger in me to be in that position because I'd always had this thought of wanting to do it, but never really thinking that anybody would take it serious or I would be able to seriously pull it off until I tried it. And you know, now we're here uh, where people do uh, enjoy the the work that I put in and do enjoy my my uh, my craft and everything like that. So it's definitely been a process. It's definitely been a um, definitely been a journey, um, but it really just started on a professional level. It started from coming to Nashville and seeing this rising culture, seeing this rising music scene that can be, uh, you know, a sound other than country music or pop music, you know. That's real. Now, me, a Florida person, I know whenever I hear Tennessee, I think of like rappers out of Memphis, like mm -hmm. Three Six Mafia, mm -hmm. like the, like the Money Bag Yo, the Project Pat, mm -hmm. um, and like Young <clears throat> Buck, also from Nashville. So, mm -hmm. how have those artists, and also from Chattanooga, um, got Isaiah Rashad as well? Mm -hmm. How have artists like that from from your homestead, Tennessee, influenced your music? Um, I would say that uh, because I coming to. Tennessee. I'm not originally from here, but coming to Nashville, um, definitely, uh, it definitely makes things more, um, how can I put this? It definitely makes things, it makes you, it makes you think that it is achievable. It makes things, uh, it puts things in perspective for you to see that Isaiah Rashad once went to the same college that I go to, to see that a lot of these other guys were around the same parts and around the same, uh, you know, cities and, and, and come from similar stories as a lot of, uh, you know, as a lot of people do, it's, it's, it seems like a lot of times when you think about like, oh, Drake, or you think about the big time artists, like, like Jaden Smith or whatever the case is, you think, okay, well, these guys had it made from the jump. These guys had a certain, you know, had a certain uh, boost or whatever from the jump. So it, it's kind of, it, it makes it seem like your dreams or that, that idea of success is out of reach, but seeing that a lot of people have come from the same state, from the same similar cities or whatever, um, it makes it, it makes it, the goal is, is it's, you're capable of doing it. And so that was something I really didn't realize until uh, a couple months ago. It was after the summer of 2019, uh, when I first started really kicking off my music career or whatever, um, that let me know that this is achievable. A lot of these people don't really, you know, hit stardom or, or hit a certain peak or whatever until like they're 25, 26, you know, maybe 30 even. But me, I'm a just turned 20 and it's like, this is an, this is an achievable goal. So, um, you know, the influence, I don't really listen to a lot of uh, uh, Memphis style rap. I don't really, um, you know, uh, the names that you name, but, and I, and I've heard very few Isaiah Rashad, but I'm aware 
of you know their stories and where they come from and everything like that so it just makes it it make it makes you more comfortable as an artist to know that oh these guys from these cities can these small cities can make it it's possible you know that's real so where are you from originally originally i'm from riverside california and i spent a lot oh, of time wow. in alabama yeah so the whole other side of the globe but i spent a lot so, of my a lot of my growing up was in uh uh huntsville alabama Oh wow! I actually just um did a show with somebody uh, out of Huntsville. Um, a lady by the name of Dee Marie shout out to her the Wu Child podcast. Um, she's in Huntsville. So, mm-hmm. so how did you go from California to Alabama? How was that <laughs> just culture shock? How 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 did you deal with that culture shock? Um, it's it's uh I think it it, it really it really uh a lot of it has to do with uh, who you surround yourself with. Um. So a lot of my friends that I grew up with or whatever, we kind of already, we kind of already growing up, really liked a lot of the West Coast stuff more than whatever was happening in the South, whether that be Earl Sweatshirt or Tyler the Creator or whatever the case is. Um, we liked a lot of the West Coast stuff anyway, so it didn't seem too far off, um, and and it was it was easy to make a transition because of you know. Because of what whatever we were listening to, it was like it was it was still with us even in the South. So um, growing up listening to like a lot of uh, West Coast artists, even even Kendrick or whatever, it just it felt more. You know that was that was our thing. It was kind of I kind of was protective over like you know Odd Future music and Tyler the Creator or whatever. When I would try to put my other friends on, they would be oh no, Migos just dropped or this just dropped or this just released. And it's like, yeah, but listen to this, you know. So it 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 was difficult at times when I started, you know, stepping into my own um, taste of music and everything like that. But you know, it was nothing too crazy. Wow, that's real. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, you moved to the what? Moved to the south, and you're not really fucking with the south. You just like give me my west coast, <laughs> even though I'm in the south. <laughs> yeah, and and then and then as time went on, I I kind of. My music taste, as time went on, I was able to broaden my music taste and, and be more acceptable towards different things. Like, you asked me two years ago if I would listen to Playboy Cardi. I absolutely would not. I hated all that mumble stuff. I, I hated all the mumble rap. I, I wasn't, I, I was like an old head. I, I'd rather listen to some Joey or some, you know, some clean, just boom bap bars, get your bars off. But then I grew a sudden appreciation for the way that that, mumble rap the playboy cardi and the little uzi can make you feel when you listen to it in certain settings and even just when you're in a you feel i fell in love with that the fact that you know using using sound or whatever like whatever his you know mumble voice is it's like that can make you feel something and it can make you feel energetic or free or whatever the same way that you know listening to those bars can make you feel you can have that same emotion so i kind of start to brought in my taste um i still haven't really gotten into like you know the the memphis um uh sound yet but that's something that you know i've definitely tried to um listen to and everything like that and try to just broaden my taste i've kind of stopped looking at it as oh this is what i like and this is it and be closed off to everything because within a year i found it i found a lot of good music that has changed my music taste for like forever so well, that that's good for you that you've decided to open up your, your horizons because I hear from a lot of artists, they really don't like to open up their yeah. horizons, but that's really good for you because also that can also use that to influence yeah. your music as 100%. well. 
And I totally feel you on the mumble rap. I'm I'm from Florida, and it's like that mumble. I wasn't really with the mumble mm-hmm. rap, but then over time, I just got adapted. So I said, this shit actually catches. <laughs> so I totally yeah. feel you. So what is um, what's your creative process like when you're coming up with the music you're about to come up okay, with? Okay, so usually for me, um, I've been asked this question so many times, but I, I think that um, I think the best way to describe my creative process is it all stems from an idea. It all stems from what's happening in my mind. Um, I never want to go in uh, making something uh, to sound like something else or I never want to go in making something with the intention. I kind of think that I make the best music when it flows naturally. Um, My latest single, Bag Over Purse, uh, was definitely something that just came off the brain, came off the head, and it was supported by a situation that was going on. Um, and so that made it a little bit easier, but a lot of times when I create, um, it'll, it'll either be from, I don't know, I could be walking to class around campus and just be having a saying or a melody in my head and I'll pull out my voice memos, record that, or be a word that I see, like the word portrait. And then I'll write that down in my notes and then I'll revisit it later and ask myself questions like, what is this, what does this word mean? What, what does it look like? What, you know? What does it do? How does it make you feel? And then after writing those things down, I can move forward with, you know, creating a song or a video or whatever the case is. Um, and then sometimes it's listening to my playlist that I've put together for myself um, and and trying to implement different flows into my arsenal or, you know, trying to um, whatever the case is, trying to capture this sound from this one part of this song that I really like. Uh, so it's a number of things that go into the process. I think it's different for every. Uh, it's like it's like a. I feel like it's a it's a math problem or or maybe a jigsaw puzzle. It's like one piece of the puzzle that I have, and it's just all about building the all the connecting pieces to get the full picture. So that's usually how I move uh, as far as creating. That's real. So tell me about this backstory of, of your song Bag Purse because, like I said, I was listening to it while I had a little break from work because I'd be working mm-hmm. from home, and I was listening to it. This was catchy, <laughs> and I was, I was, it was definitely a vibe. So tell me a little bit. Okay, about so it. with Bag Over Purse, <laughs> I've never actually told this story um, uh, to anybody but my friends. But um, with Bag Over Purse, there was a so there was a guy at the beginning of this semester, and coming off the semester, uh, I had done pretty good job of, you know, um, I kind of, kind of establishing myself a little bit as much as I could in this Nashville scene, in this new rising music scene in Nashville from being, you know, a guy who's only been here a little under a year. I think, uh, I've done a good job of, you know, making my name. So coming out, coming off that buzz, the main goal coming into school was, you know, focus on school, of course, but also network as much and, and, get and and get these ideas for this school year um and and just just try to communicate these ideas that I had from the summer translate it to the school year and continue that same fire that that we were moving on so coming in um I would be you know I would be more on social media have more of a presence uh just to kind of I don't know, just to kind of build, kind of build my following, but also make sure that I was present, make sure that I wasn't, the people knew that, oh, Savvy was still, you know, it, that wasn't just a summer thing. This is going on and on and Savvy is here and he's ready to establish himself as an artist. So um, 
there was this other artist that was around uh, the city or, you know, around the MTSU scene. And he always kind of had an issue with me um, or, or it seems as if it was very weird, man. Like there would be some times where I would post a picture of me just finishing a show and he would comment and be like, uh, he'd be like, damn, dude, you always doing something with your cool ass or something like that. And that's like, a, it's a weird comment to say to someone. Cause like, I don't know if you're trying to congratulate me or if you're trying to like patronize me. I don't know what, what that is, but I will always ignore it. And then there, then there would be another situation where I would go, I, I would go to the thrift store and, you know, and shop. Cause that's usually where my wardrobe comes from. I thrift all the time. Um, and so I, w- I got into, you know, totes and handbags and stuff like that. So I remember one day I posted a picture with the with the handbag on or with the tote. Or I don't remember which one it was. And he swiped up and he was like, nigga, is that a purse? And I was just like, at this point, it had already been multiple other comments and just weird shade being thrown and stuff like that. And I was just like, all right, all right. So I, I, see, I see where this is going. I see what this is now. So I, I looked at that and and... I've never been the type of person to really beef with people or to go back and forth. I don't even really like arguing with people just because I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's pointless. There's not many times where people are, where you're going to share your point of view and listen to the other person's point of view and come out with something beneficial for either of you guys. So that's why I really stay away from the, from the, um, from the beefing and the arguing and stuff like that. But uh, I kind of, I kind of wanted to address this situation, but also in like a, in a comical light manner, um, and, and to a way that it was digestible, not just aggressive going at this guy or tearing this guy down or whatever, but kind of in a way that people can enjoy. Um, and so that for the artist, I mean, for the listener, either way you listen to it, if you listen to it, it's a good song. Or if you, if you listen to it and you know the story, then you understand that, oh, this is in response to whatever the case is. Or if you just listen to it, like you listen to it, and it's just a vibe. So I wanted to make it, uh, I wanted to make it digestible for anybody um, while also still, you know, while still being able to portray, portray that message. So that situation kind of was the inspiration but behind making this song. I was working at IHOP at the time, and it was over winter break. Um, and I think I had just turned 20. Um, and so it was over winter break. I was working at IHOP and I was with my, I was staying with my homies, uh, Hank and OD, who are the producers of the song at the time I was staying with them for winter break. Um, before I left, I was like, man, uh, I'm looking for, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that, man. This is, this is what kind of beats I'm, you know, I'm feeling right now. And they were like, we got you. So I went to work, worked my shift. And when I got back home, they played the beat for me and I was like, wow, yeah, this is it. This is it. And so I went ahead and just, um, you know, I, I, I think I had a, I don't know if I already had the kind of bounce or the, this just isn't bad. No, I don't know if I already had that in my memos or if I came up with that at that moment. But um, after that, it just, it just flowed. Like it was, it was easy. I just wrote, I wrote the song right then and there. It probably took me like 30 minutes, recorded it that same night. We mixed it. Uh, took about two weeks to master it. And then after that, um, we held it into the vault because SNL had just released. So we held that in the vault. And I just decided that originally we were going to shoot a video for it and release the song with the video. But because it was quarantine and everything like that, 
uh, the pandemic happened, uh, I was just like, this is a good time because people are at home right now. And they're, it, all it is is media consumption right now. People are watching Netflix, listening to new albums, you know, watching live streams and stuff like this. So it's a good time to release something. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. Um, and where the Mike Floss feature comes in, uh, Mike Floss is a, is a Nashville native. Um, and uh, he's been in the game here for a little minute. But uh, I've grown a respect for him as one of the OGs that when I came here really put me on game and really, you know, told me what it is um, and kept it straight with me. A lot of people you'll meet will kind of tell you, oh, well, man, if you want to be successful, man, work hard and, and do this. And that and that is the case. But uh, he kind of gave me the the real instead of just the sugar-coated answer. And so that's why I grew into respect for him. And also, he's a you know amazing, amazing artist. So having him on that, I just slid it to him. I was like, well, are you feeling this? Do you want to get on this? And he was like, yeah. So we met up maybe a week after I recorded my verse. Because originally on the original song, there's two verses of mine. But I cut off my second verse so uh, we could have him on that record. And people like it, man. People hear enjoy it uh we're almost at we're almost at 6k streams now um and hopefully can get uh 10k by the end of this month but yeah man it's it's been a blessing to be able to share my ideas with you know with people who who also enjoy these things just as much as i do yeah that's real that's wonderful that you're able to share um this ideas and yes now is a really good time to be dropping music because yeah, we are in quarantine. And yeah. This is the right time. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Look and Talk podcast. If you don't know, now you know. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and pour up a shot of liquor because I promise you, the more you drink, the better this podcast is going to sound. This is the music round. Today, I got my man OG Savvy out of Tennessee talking about his music. Talk to him about the track SNL because that one was a vibe as well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> SNL was. Um... Saturday Night Live was originally, um, okay, so I'm a part of a collective called The Little Homies. We just started, um, like I said, uh, last summer. Uh, That was really the motive for me to make the move from Huntsville to uh, Nashville and really um, finally finally take charge and say, okay, let's do this. Let's uh, let's make this move. Let's make this happen. So um, one of the the founding members of... uh, the little homies his name is david h and he's an amazing producer amazing artist y'all go check him out on all streaming platforms um but he's an amazing artist and he is uh the person who produced saturday night live so i think it was i think that it was an old beat that he had sent me from his files because he was making he was making beats and everything long before i was even you know thinking about rapping or whatever the case is so uh he just had beats that you know i liked and and he's the one who also produced 990. So, um, and 990 was like the first hit of mine, I guess, and and the first song. Um, so it was it was like, okay, yeah, we need another one. So he produced that one, and I remember we recorded. We I wrote Saturday Night Live uh, July after I came back from California. I went back home to see my family and everything like that, and I came back to Nashville. Um, and I remember just going through the drive of beats that I had. And I, at the time, I was really into her, uh, the artist. Um, and she has this song called Still Down. That's one of my favorite songs by her. But I was listening to it, and I was like, man, this is a whole, it's more than just a vibe. It's like a feel. It's like 
it's clean. It, it has just the right. It's balanced. It's a whole song. Because um, a lot of times artists will make songs and, and it'll be a beat and vocals. And that's just a song. But to make a whole song, it's like there's there's no there's no error. It's it's all it's from head to toe, from the background vocals to the extra sounds in the back to the ambiance of the track to the way it's mixed. Everything is tip top shape. And I've always wanted to make uh, kind of an R&B track or something like that. So I was like, all right, let me take a let me take a crack at that. So um, I wrote the song. Uh, it was very it, it's not really about a particular person or a particular situation, but it was um, it was just something that I was like, OK, this can be a summer, a summer hit, something that people can play in their car when they're with their, you know, with their boo thing or whatever the case is. And, uh, you know, just, you know, whatever. It's a, I want to make a vibe. I want to make something completely different from my first release. And so uh, we recorded it once we got here to MT for the school year in September, I want to say. And um, I knew how I wanted it to sound. I knew that I wanted um, a certain voice on it. And I was like, all right, well, David, throw some background vocals on this. Another one of my uh, artist friends named Zone from Atlanta uh, blessed me with his vocals on the backgrounds and everything like that. So we made it and it was a it was it was a moment. So uh, I liked it a lot and it sounded amazing. Everything was in tip top shape. I was like, all right, let's release this. And originally it was supposed to release on my birthday in December, but ended up not releasing later until January because of complications with the distributor or whatever. But it's definitely uh, it's definitely the ladies' favorite thus far, and I, I appreciate that because I feel like a lot of rappers uh, try to make songs for the ladies, and it seems forced. And so then it's kind of like, oh, they don't really like it or whatever. But this one I kind of just made and they enjoy it. And so that's that's uh, it's it's more genuine. And so uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I really appreciate the love that came behind that record. And the video is coming soon. It's going to be a vibe as the song is. And yeah, man, I just I just can't wait to finish that one. That whole uh, moment. I can't wait to finish that moment uh, because I feel like a lot of times when people release songs, a lot of songs just get lost in the catalog. And so, um, I mean, when you have like a thousand songs or whatever to your name, it's like you can't do a video for all of them, but some of them should be moments. And I feel like a video really caps off a moment. So, yeah. That's real. And one time for us, December babies, because yours chose the December yes, baby sir. as well. So one time, one time, December gang in here, we in here. And yes, that song was definitely a vibe. That was something when I was listening to, I said, this is something I could definitely like see myself playing for a lady. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We just yeah. chilling, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And look, us, let's get to your hit, 990. Yes, sir. Um, how did you come up with that <laughs> Okay, one? so that's probably the most interesting story. Um, 990 was very... I was very nervous about that record because this was the first time that I um, was going to be able to uh, share my stuff, not even just on a, uh, on a, you know, a streaming scale. Cause previous to 990, all my songs and everything had been just on SoundCloud. So really it was just, everything was on SoundCloud and everyone's on SoundCloud. So it was kind of just like, I kind of was just another quote-unquote SoundCloud artist, which is which is no shade. Uh, and that's and that's perfectly fine for anybody doing that. But I would definitely say expand to other streaming services because it's, it's better for business and it's just more official when people are looking um, 
for artists, for new artists or whatever. It's just a better look. Um, and I'll, and honestly, SoundCloud is, I feel like, in popularity and, and use, uh, people are leaning more towards Apple Music and Spotify rather than how, you know, rather than how much we were using SoundCloud. Um, but this is going to be my first release on, uh, my first real studio release. Um, and so it was very, it was very, and, and it was also the first project um, from the Little Homies because it was produced by the Little Homies. Um, and it was also uh, recorded with the Little Homies, mixed by the Little Homies, artwork done by the Little Homies and everything like that. So it was, ve- it was a moment for sure for all of us. Um, and so how the, how the song came to be, um, there was a point in time where I was trying to decide how I wanted this first release from myself to sound. What did I want Savvy to be when I come to Nashville? What do I want, what do I want this artist to look like? How do I want to portray this? And I feel like I was being overwhelmed by thinking so much and trying to plan how I wanted uh, this to start off. Because when you come to a new place and, you know, you come from being a SoundCloud artist with a small following to, you know, possibly um, trying to trying to make your mark in a city and a rising culture, you have a chance to brand yourself a certain way. And you really it's like a first impression type thing. So I was really focused on impression and so the song came to be uh in the midst of trying to you know decide how i wanted uh how i wanted this brand to look how what i wanted savvy to be um at the time i was really into new balance and and i wanted to go get a pair of new balance and i was at i think i was at i want to say tj maxx um and my friend was shopping for something i was actually with david he was shopping for something and i saw the shoes i saw the um the New Balance, and it's the New Balance 990. That's the model of the shoe. So I was like, okay, I like these, and they were they were like forty dollars. Usually they run probably more than that, but they were like forty dollars. I was like, oh yeah, I gotta get these. So I got them, and that same day uh, we went to this other store, and I saw a man in there with the same shoes on, and, and I told him that you know I I liked. I told him, I was like, oh, man, I like your shoes, like trying to be comical because we had on the same shoes. And he told me, he was like, man, I like your entire fit. I like the whole fit, man. And I was like, I appreciate it. And so walking out of that store, I really don't know what it was. I think we stopped at a taco truck or something. But in my head, I was just repeating, if your dad say he liked the fit, that's a compliment. And I just kept saying that over and over and over again. And so then when we got back to the house, um, I told Dave, I was like, bro, play some beats, put on some beats. Uh, put on something, you know, dark, play something, play something crazy, play some banging, you know, something that we can get hyped to. Because previous to that, I didn't really make music that, you know, I didn't really make upbeat, super, you know, music that you could play at a party, at a function, whatever. I didn't really make songs like that. Before it was really all, let me just rap, get these bars off and everything like that. So he played one beat that was for another artist, another Nashville artist, actually. And I liked it, and I started freestyling at that point. And then after that, I started writing it down. I think we recorded it that same night. Um, and then after that, after we listened to it, we were like, "Yeah, this is it. This is this is we have something here." So we released it, um, and within I want to say three or four days, Lyrical Lemonade did a write up on it, um, and that was just such a moment for all of us. I came. I remember I was working summer camp that summer. I came home, took a nap because I was so tired from dealing with the kids and everything. I woke up and my phone's being blown up. Like, dude, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this? 
I saw it and I just like I like called David. We were both on the phone screaming. It was crazy, man. It was, it was for sure a moment. And I was so what what was crazier than any of that was that we threw our first show either I think a week after that we threw the first little homie show um, in a small bar, but we packed it out. Um, and just to get on stage, and that would be the first time any of us have performed our own music. So just to get on stage and perform that and, you know, scream, if your dad say he like my fit and hear the crowd respond with, that's a compliment and like know the lyrics and everything like that. It was just a moment, man. And it was something, it's one of the best moments I've ever had in my life. And from that point forward, I knew that I had to maintain, I had to keep going, I had to keep pushing because that was the make or break. Because if that would have, if 990 would have flopped, I'm not sure what I would have done after that. I'm not sure what would have happened. But because um, it was such a, you know, it's, I, I succeeded with that one. Um, I remember, even to this day, man, people will tweet. <laughs> I'll see you on Twitter. If your dad say, like my fit, that's a compliment. And it's just like, it's, it's you know, it's a moment. And so then um, fast forward to now, being able to develop that with, you know, having, uh, I call them my dad's. Uh, being able to have dads come on stage and perform with me kind of in and have visuals, I have a video and everything like that. Um, that's definitely a moment. And it's, and it's definitely been capped off that the 990, I guess, era uh, was something special and something crazy. Wow. Yes, that was, that was, that sounds like it was very special. So tell me, how did you transition your music? Um, how did that change? How did you start to decide now's the time to I need to make this transition and, into my music? Okay, so or do you mean from like SoundCloud to now? Um, no, you were mentioning something about mentioning just trying to rap over oh, bars, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, rap over the beats to trying to make so, a vibe. How did you come up with so that transition? Throughout high school, um, because I was a huge Earl and Tyler and Kendrick and Joey Badass fan and all these good rappers or whatever. Um, I was really just trying to focus on on the rapping. And because I wasn't really trying to make music to, uh, to be digested or I didn't really have a lot of the knowledge um, of, you know, of a consumer of how, you know, somebody listening to music would feel. Um, music to me at that point, as far as rap was concerned, was if you have a good beat and you can rap, then your song will be good. So at that point, it was all about, you know, my beat selection, um, producing, and then having these quick lines, these one-two punches, these bars or whatever that would go over people's heads and making these songs or whatever. And so then when I got to MT, I linked up with a, with a, a collective that was already popping on campus and were seniors and juniors and on their way going out to uh, Middle Tennessee State, uh, on their way graduating and everything. So uh, I got in, I got in and started hanging out with them instead of hanging out with the freshmen and everything like that. And really, they taught me a lot of the things I know now. And and if it wasn't for them, I I probably wouldn't know half. Of, my sound would probably be a a lot different. But because I was able to uh, sit and watch and and just learn, and that's what I did my first my freshman year. I didn't come in trying to be the man. I didn't come in trying to, you know, oh, I'm going to take over this place. No, I just came in and wanted to just learn because I knew that it was different. I knew that it was different from the first show that I seen. So I came in and, and learned and sucked up as much information I can. And from that, that's kind of what helped me navigate the summer. And so what helped me switch it over was I learned that 
I learned, first of all, I started listening to uh, other other people when I came to MT. Before, like I said, it would really just be Drake and uh, be Joey or Earl or Mick Jenkins, a lot of these uh, rappers with, you know, really good, really good rapping ability, really good lyrical ability and everything like that. Um, but then when I got here, that's when I discovered the Sminos and the Sabas and the the um, the Anderson Packs and the um, you know other pe- other artists who were who just make beautiful songs who also can still rap but make beautiful songs. So then that's when it became that's when that's when it showed me that it's more than just, it's more than just being able to have lyrical flow or whatever, but it's about being able to make a song, being able to make a, a through and through and so that's kind of what helped me kind of what helped me change that from realizing that I can still I can take a little bit of my ability to lyrically flow on a track and also my ability to you know make a dope chorus or make something that's catchy make something that's memorable being able to find that balance and so I look back now I look back now at uh like my playlist and what I was listening to at um you know senior year of high school and that versus now it's like most of those songs I don't even like anymore because my taste has changed so much and when your taste you know develops so will your sound as an artist so uh, I feel like it's it's a bunch of different factors that went into my ability to change up um you know the way that I make music um, but all in all, I've, I've always just wanted to stay true to myself when it comes to message, when it comes to, you know, lyrics, when it comes to content and all that stuff. A lot of my songs thus far, other than SNL, has been about fashion and wearing certain clothes and, you know, wearing whatever you want to wear, not really caring about what other people have to say. And that's true to who I am. Um, I don't have a stylist. My style isn't really influenced by a particular person or a particular thing. It's kind of just I wear you know, what I want to wear. I'm never going to walk out the house if I don't feel, you know, comfortable in what I'm wearing, if I don't feel like my fit is hard to me, you know, not even for anybody else, but just for myself. Um, and so I think that that speaks through my music. I've been told that my music is a reflection of who I am. And if you know me, I think that's a pretty good judgment. So, uh, yeah, that's what I would say about that, um, you know, that transition. <laughs> That's real. That's definitely real. And, and you got it. Most artists need to think like that. You know what I'm saying? That that music has to be a true reflection of them, not somebody to be an actor. No, we yeah. want the real you. That because real is what sells. Now, what do you think of artists who sign record? Uh, um, you're yes, an independent sir. artist, correct? So, what do you think of how? artists that sign these deals that don't really be reading into these deals um i would definitely say um well and and also because i haven't i haven't been on the business side of things yet i don't think that i am uh you know and i don't even want to say i'm not big enough yet to be dealing with those things but i just haven't crawl i just haven't come across the any legal any legal issues or anything like that um but i would definitely say read your contracts man um if they're out here you know trying to snub some of the biggest artists on the charts right now, like I, I remember Meg Thee Stein was going through with her label, Lil Baby. Drake at one point in time was going through with his label and everything like that. So if they're, if they're out here, you know, trying to come after these bigger artists, what makes you think that they would not be trying to come after you? You know, somebody who they could easily take advantage of. Uh, I would definitely, I would definitely make sure a lot. I know that a lot of people say, um, keep your business life and your personal life separate. 
And I'm a true believer of that. But I also want people who I know well and I trust and I know are good people working for me. I don't want anybody as a manager or as a, you know, a label corporation that is just that can just offer me, um, you know, success or whatever. I want that relationship. I don't just want to be a worker for you. You know, I want that relationship. And and that's something that I think that uh, artists should look for before signing these deals. I think that a lot of times, and and it's understandable, 100%. They see a life-changing amount of money and they see a big offer and they just go for it because, you know, you want to take care of your family, you want the finer things and you want want to never be able to, you you know, you never want to have to struggle again. Um, So I totally understand it, but I would definitely say um, just be careful because, you know, that's, that is your, at the end of the day, without your work, without your art, without your talent, those things that can't be taken away from you, there is no deal. You know, if you were, if you weren't talented, if you didn't have that, that, um, that talent or that gift to do whatever it is that they gave you a deal for, then there would be no deal. So I think that artists need to uh, recognize their value and not in dollar signs, but in their talent and their gifts. Yeah, that's definitely real. And I'm just saying that because I've seen too many artists, they've just been, um, They've been ripped off. They've been scammed. They get signed mm-hmm. for all this money up front. And then the, later down the line, then they realize they start getting popular. Then they realize, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. I may have made a mistake. So I just don't want yeah. that to happen to everybody because, you know, it's it sucks 100%. to see that happen. It's crazy, you know what I'm saying? So that's how I want to root for that for anybody. And um, so tell me, who do you – so what – up? Outside of yourself, who's um who you been listening to um, right man, now? Man, there's this Victoria uh, Monet record. Uh, I just found her not too long ago, but there's this record that she has called "Ass Like That," and I'm not, you know, I don't really listen like a lot of the, um, and I love it. I love them. I love the way that they sound or whatever. But I know like the same way that a lot of male artists make songs kind of driven toward you know the audience. Women do make a lot of songs driven towards you know the the female um audience or whatever but this one man is undeniable uh ass like that by victoria monet is a crazy production crazy video crazy lyricism and the writing is it's just 10 out of 10 for sure um ty the creator is always in the rotation um drake's new uh tape is in the rotation for sure time flies by him um what else am i listening to right now uh i really got into steve lacy recently and i and i really like his old project and a lot of the stuff he does um i've been listening to like a lot of cam obi production smino's always in the rotation um and those are just a few uh artists that you know i I like to listen to but really what i usually listen to is i'll hit shuffle on my inspiration playlist um and i'll just let it play whatever song comes on i'll find new things about the song every single time i listen to them um, and I'm always looking for new music, but um, I think it, I think it has to. I think in my mind, and I can't really describe it, but I think there's a checklist when it comes to a song, um, and it has to like pass those three checks in order for it to be like, okay, yeah, this this is crazy. This song is crazy. Kaylani has this new song that she just released on her album. I don't remember. I think it's called Serial Lover, but the, the production is crazy. It sounds crazy. I love it. So, um, yeah, man. Women, female artists are are running my playlist right now, 
and and it's crazy because I was never really listening to like a lot of female artists. Um, I would listen to No Name and I would listen to her, but other than that, I wasn't really listening to like a lot of these uh, female R and B singers. But Summer Walker's project was really good. Um, Kaylani is a really good artist, and Victoria Monet, Kelly Uches as usual. But I listen to a lot. My my music range like it it ranges from a lot of different things from. Uh, sometimes I just listen to selection radio. Sometimes I listen to these, you know, these mainstream artists, you know, the Kendricks, the Coles, the Drakes, whatever. But then sometimes I listen to, you know, artists that aren't as known as, you know, like Mick Jenkins or, or whatever the case is, not, not even on that big of a scale. So, um, it, it, it varies, but it definitely still has that same, um, same kind of feel amongst the whole playlist. (laughs) That's real. That's real. Um, so of all the artists you just named off, who's oh, somebody man. you would want to work with? Like your um, dream collaboration. Man. Uh, that's tough. Uh, I'd have to say Tyler or Pharrell or Drake. Or Ken. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's I would good. say good and choices. You, each of them. Good like, choices. Kendrick, just because of the energy he brings on a track um, with his so many different characters within one person uh, vocally and so many different emotions. And then his rapping ability is just, it's just insane. Uh, Drake, because his ability to make anything digestible is what I admire him for. Um, the Tussie Slide is like, it's not a crazy song to me, but I, it's a crazy move for him to make that song because of how big TikTok is right now. And, and it's a, it's digestible. It's not even corny or anything like that. Um, and it's kind of, it reminds me of when Hotline Bling came out, how much buzz there was around that song. Um, and then I say Todd the Creator just because uh, I love that man's mind. I love the way that he thinks musically, the way that he bends certain things, like just some of the chords and just the, the off notes. And just, I'm, I'm a music nerd and I don't really know. I don't know. I, w- I didn't learn traditionally. Like, I don't know notes and scales and stuff. But I know when something sounds good and I know when something feels right. And and whenever he makes anything, it's 10 out of 10. Um, and then Pharrell, just because his production is insane. Uh, I would like to work with Playboy Cardi, too, just because uh, his abil- he's, he's so versatile. Like, for him to be on stuff with Solange, to be on stuff with, you know, Tyler, both of those things sound completely different than what he makes, but it's still true to him at the same time. So I really find it interesting when artists are able to, you know, take the element that makes them them and kind of season other people's music with it. And it's still digestible. Hey, yes, that's what's up. It definitely got to have music that is definitely digestible because a lot of this other music yeah. is just, <laughs> it's not digestible. So, what is something you wish you knew about the music industry before hmm. you hopped into it? It is something that I heard, but it's something that I used to always brush off as just another cliche saying. But the the fact that um, that it's a marathon, uh, not a sprint, like you don't have to win the race, that whole saying or whatever. Um, when I used to hear that, I used to be like, oh, yeah, OK, whatever. Cool. It's just, an, uh, you know, that's something cool to say, I guess, whatever. But it's real, man. If you focus as an artist um, on, you know, if you focus on how fast someone's progression is 
or or how much somebody is growing or how many numbers this person is doing or you know what's happening in this person's lane or whatever the case is you'll find yourself slowing yourself down and you won't be moving at all as an artist because you're so focused on trying to compete with uh this artist or this artist or this person's numbers or this person's last single or whatever that the music's not even genuine anymore it's not even you and it seems like they almost have you under their wing unknowing like unknowingly because it's like you're doing this solely to keep up and to compete with this person or that person and it's like that's not how it should be that's not how um music's supposed to be it's supposed to be your own creation um and your own ideas and and everything's supposed to be raw and genuine and i feel like once you um once your music's not genuine anymore and it's like it's almost like you're doing it for the totally wrong reason. So that's what I would tell any artists out there striving or working hard. Don't, you know, it's, it's cool to ask for advice. I'm a person who likes to learn a lot from people who are successful on a, on a bigger level than I am. And I like to sit down and, and soak up any information that I can. But at the same time, I never take the full advice from anyone. I never completely just go and do if like, if I ask you for advice on how to, um, I don't know how to get my song to 10K streams. And you tell me, well, man, if you, um, I don't know, if you go on Instagram live and and eat a roach, then that'll, you know, that'll go up. And I'll take, I'll take what you said and, and I'll, maybe I'll, you know, go on Instagram live, but I won't eat the roach. Like I'll do whatever that I'll do. You know, like I'll, I'll take pieces of advice and try to apply it to whatever I can learn. Um, and I think that that's, that's the best way to go about um, asking for advice. But anything other than that, man, do you, man, just do, just be yourself. That's the, that's the easiest, that's the easiest way to win. And at that point you're keeping yourself happy. You know what I'm saying? It's genuine. People love when people are just, you know, being themselves. People hate when it's, it's just, it's not a good look when you're obviously trying to be somebody else. So you're doing this for this reason. So I would just say, you know, it's not a marathon. I mean, it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You don't have to compete. Everybody runs at their own pace. Success happens at different times. Some people reach success when they're 27. Some people reach it when they're, you know, 18. Justin Bieber reached when he was 16, 15 years old. So, you know, it's just whatever the case is. It's not one template on how to be successful. It's kind of just you work hard, continue to work hard, continue to uh, be the best you that you can be, continue to release good music, and then the rest will follow, man. That's real. Now, now getting back to you for a minute, you know, if you weren't doing music, um, what do you think you'd be if doing? If I never did music, uh, I definitely wanted to, um, and I, and I you know, currently do this as well as music, but I definitely wanted to get into the modeling side of things. I've always wanted to do film. Um, I actually was going to change my major in school to film. Um, and then just being on the creative direction side of things, uh, whether that be directing videos, directing um, shoots for fashion brands, uh, process of, you know, creating a brand, a clothing brand right now. Um, and I also want to write a book, um, but not just a traditional book. I kind of want to make a scrapbook um, with all my ideas and all my inspirations and just pictures that I've taken along the way or whatever the case is and just have one big journey in a book. Um, but uh, just I kind of 
anything in the creative aspect, there was a point in time where I the way that I was moving was I want to set myself in seven different lanes. And if all seven don't, you know, if, if one of the seven don't work out, I still have six to rely on. So every day I would work on a song and then I would work on a design or a sketch for, you know, my brand or somebody else's brand, or I would, you know, uh, work on trying to get a film camera so I can take pictures for whatever, or I would work on, you know, the book, or I would work on um, coming up with uh, video treatments for my videos or whatever the case is, and just different things like that, always creating in any sense. Um, and so I'm not sure what I would be doing right now, um, but I know that it would be something along the lines of creating uh, if I wasn't doing music. Uh, so whether that be just throwing shows, hosting shows, um, just producing, you know, writing for someone, whatever the case is, or, or, or totally shying away from music, um, filming, directing films, um, you know, whatever the case is. That's real. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? Cause you definitely sound like you've got that creative mindset. So that's really good. So what's next for you once this quarantine um, is over I'll say with? that the next thing for me um, after quarantine and everything is over with, um, <laughs> it's funny because if quarantine wouldn't have happened, there would have been so much done already. But I feel like now I'm kind of behind. Uh, I want to shoot a lot of videos. Um, uh, and I think that's what we're going to focus on doing uh, once quarantine and everything is over. Um, getting those videos shot so that each of these songs can have a moment. Um, I have a single coming soon. Uh, the single's called Zoom. Um, and I think that's going to be the next thing that, um, that people are going to really like. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good song and the video is going to be even better. Um, and then, you know, just focusing on the brand. I want to have, you know, uh, at least um, three pieces done by the end of the summer that, you know, when we go into the fall and everything. Um, I can, you know, walk around and see people with my stuff on. Um, and then also, you know, creating for other people. Um, uh, I've recently got back to producing and making beats and stuff. And so that would be cool to, you know, uh, produce for other artists um, and collaborate with other artists. That's another thing I'm really trying to work on. But the biggest thing that I can, you know, the big thing that I can for sure guarantee that you'll see next is, more music and, and more uh, visuals coming behind the music. Um, I've kind of taken the approach of um, quality over quantity. That's why I only have three releases and I'm not really in a rush to, um, you know, put out everything. Cause right now I have at least 20, 20 songs at least in the vault that, you know, if I wanted to, I could put into a project and release that, but I'd rather give you guys quant, you know, quality rather than just, you know, releasing every, you know, every time I finish a song. And I feel like that's something that artists a lot of times get uh, excited about the fact that, you know, that they have something and they're so eager to share it with the world, but patience is key and timing is everything. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what's coming next for me. Yes, that's definitely real. Patience is everything and quality over quantity because I ain't gonna lie, I'm about getting tired of these 20, yeah. 30 song albums. I'm like, can we get to the time where the albums were just yeah. like 10 or 11 songs, but they got they got whole mm -hmm. tracks on here yeah. for days. I'm like, come on now. 
So uh, what do you think of that trend? I don't know. Um, for some people, it works. For some people, um, the supply and demand is different. Um, Chris Brown made a 50, a 50 track album and, and it went platinum. And that's just insane to me. And that lets me know that people will listen to it, but it's who you are. It's what you have to offer on that. Um, Drake released Scorpion and, and more life and tracks like that or whatever. Scorpion was a two side album. I don't remember how many songs was on there, but I feel like that when you put so much, so many songs on a, on a project, it's more of a risk uh, of the album being uh, a good album or you know a bad album. If you have a you know an album with five songs and three of them are good and two of them are mediocre, then you know people would normally say that's a pretty good album. That's a good album, you know. But if you have a twenty song album and you know fifteen of them are good, or, or maybe ten of them are good and ten of them are mediocre, people are going to feel some type of way about the album. It's going to be hard to say if it's a good album or not. So I feel like it depends on the artist. It depends on the person. Um, but at the end of the day, I also find beauty in saving your, uh, I find beauty in that shock factor and, and saving, uh, you know, your work until it's the right time. It's the right moment. And I feel like when you release something and then you release something right after you kind of cut the, the value of that last thing that you released because you kind of cut the run of it because it's like, okay, well, now that you put out something new, we're not going to listen to this old thing. We're going to listen to this new thing now. And that's what we're going to play. And that's what we're going to want to hear. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to go listen to what you just dropped last week because you got something new out. And so if you just continue to do that, you're cutting the potential of that project. So that's why I've kind of always moved on, not even a set like time frame, but really I've just kind of moved on when I feel it is right. Uh, SNL, I wanted to release it around the holiday times, but uh, it was good to release it during New Year's because uh, it was a new year and a new sound and everything like that. And, it, you know, it was a vibe. So it was it was easy to listen to around that point in time. Uh, I released 990 at the top of the summer. Uh, and that's around the time where I dyed my hair blonde and everything like that. And it kind of changed everything because 990 was a new sound. And as I felt like it was a new me. Everything was new about 990. So it was a really good time to release that. And then Bag Over Purse, um, was just a good time to release because everybody was at home and I hadn't dropped anything in a minute. So it was like, okay, well, it's a good moment to release. It's a good time to put this out. So, um, there's definitely, definitely for me, it's all about timing. It's all about timing. That's what's up. Now, speaking of timing, so when can people (laughs) expect that first Um, album from me? Man, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't say a specific time frame or a specific, you know, year from now or two years from now. I think that the album, I want the album to be revealed to me before um, I go into create it because I know that once I sit down, and I create this project, I know that it's going to be, I know that it's, I'm going to put everything into it. And I think my biggest fear right now as an artist is I see a lot of artists creating these EPs projects where, you know, they put their time and they put, you know, effort and, and all these things into it or whatever. And then it's it's just a, a project, you know, it's a moment that people remember and then they forget about it or whatever. And so that's not what I want. I want this album to stand the test of time. And I also want a big enough audience to share this thing with. So it's not just, you know, I'm sharing it with 
you know, just my friends or people that know me through other people or just mutuals or whatever, but people outside of that can appreciate this project that I've worked on. So um, I think time will tell, like I said, time will tell. Um, and, and then in turn, the album will be released, the direction of what I'm going to go in, uh, what the album's going to sound like, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. Because when you think of albums like Damn, Nothing Was the Same or Good Kid uh, or, or um, uh, Born Center or, or albums like, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, when you think of these albums, it's like these albums were moments and times and it's a narrative through and through. And I kind of want to make one of those. So um, time will tell, man. Time will tell. Ezra, so um, what can people get people, from listening uh, to your music? What I would hope people get is a, a sense of freedom uh, or, a, or a feeling of kind of relief. Uh, I feel like music has been so serious now that people are shying away from, you know, who they are. It's so saturated by um, different things. And, and, then, and then also music is becoming very repetitive where we're kind of talking about the same things. But I think it's kind of like a breath of fresh air, like, Oh, okay, finally a song that's not about, you know, money, hoes, or, or cars and stuff like that. And, or, you know, just talking about, like, you know, black injustice, which all those subject matters are fine, you know, when, you know, communicated, you know, thoroughly and well on a project and everything like that. But I think because I don't, you know, have a lot of money, I don't have hoes, I don't have cars, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm not, you know, talking about the black struggle and everything like that. My music's more, I feel like it's more relatable to the, to the person listening because I'm talking about issues that, you know, people who aren't celebrities who don't have a high status deal with. You know, I'm talking about, you know, meeting a girl at a party, at a college party and, you know, you know feeling that that's the moment or talking about, you know, wearing clothes from the thrift shop or, or you know, talking about, wearing handbags and stuff like that. That's not, you know, subject matters that you really hear a lot of artists talking about. And it's not to just say, oh, I want to be different, but it's just, it's, you know, what I'm around. It's who I am. It's um, a part of my character. So I think that's what makes everything um, more digestible to the audience. And then also, I think I make music that, you know, all ages can listen to. I'm not, you know, really vulgar in my songs or the subject matter is not really crazy to where, you know, you got to, you know, the kids can't listen or it can't be played on the radio or, you know, if adults heard this, they would just be disgusted towards it because of, you know, the subject matter of hip hop today. But um, I would say it's balanced. And I think that's one of the good things about um, about me as an artist. That's real. And last question for um, you. You need to go stream that to number one. Stream your songs. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> you should uh, go stream it because um, I think it's I think it's something new. I think it's uh, <laughs> it's something that you haven't heard before. It's it's a it's a new it's just a new feel. It's a new song and um, it's a it's a peek into what Nashville has to offer uh, as a scene um, because there's artists that there's uh, tons of artists in Nashville that are just killing it right now. And, and hopefully you can find one of them through me. Um, but also because I feel like, um, it's relatable. It's, uh, you know, it's relatable. If you have haters or whatever the case is like bag over purse speaks to that. It's like, dude, 
I'm gonna wear whatever I want to wear. If I want to wear an anaconda around my neck, like I'm gonna do it. Like I don't really care who you are. Like, and I'll never hate on you, but like you shouldn't be hating on me. You know what I'm saying? So, and with 990, it's kind of that same message. Like, yeah, I'm 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 wearing thrift store clothes, you know, because I can't afford Javinci um, or whatever the case is. But like, it's okay. I still look I still look tight. And if your dad says he likes my fit, like that's a compliment. Like, and then with SNLs, you know, it's just a vibe. So I think I give you kind of everything so far. And so that's why you should go stream. Uh, that's a dollar sign AVVY on all streaming services. And yeah, man, I just, you know, let me know what you think. All right, ladies and gentlemen, y'all heard it. Go stream this man's music. This man, it makes some dope music. <laughs> if, if he got me talking about it, goddamn it, then y'all need to talk about it. Hey, man, I appreciate that. Thank you for your time, time, man. Thanks for coming on. Look at Talk, man. Hey, like I said, like I tell all my guests, if you need something from me, I might, I might be in Florida, but I'm a DM away, man. So listen, you got it. Anything you need, just let me know. Holla at me and, um, Anything else you last said, let me know, dog. Yes, sir, 100%. If you're from Florida, Florida, let me know. I'll be there. All right, thank y'all, and thank you for listening to the Look at Talk podcast. This was the first um, series of the music round. You can expect more artists coming on soon. And if you're an artist out there and you want to come on and go one-on-one with V, let me know. Slide the DMs. It's IG, Look at Talk podcast. Look at Talk podcast everywhere on iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And until next time, remember everything, all the pain you're feeling is just temporary and to pull that shit up.